Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also, Mike, as we've done a Freaky Friday, as my co-host put it. I was watching Oscar movies the last few days. You were watching horror movies and porn. Uh, Softcore porn. Softcore Uh, porn, yeah. British porn. British Mm -hmm. porn. Otherwise known as Lady Chatterley's Lover, (laughs) D.H. Lawrence adaptation. Yeah. Not even good British porn, but <laughs> no, it was, it was as opposed to that high quality stuff that we're all used to. Jane Austen, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's no nudity in Jane Austen. That, that joke doesn't make any sense. What are we doing? There may uh, not be any nudity in British porn either, for all we know. But uh, yeah, it's a... there, no. There's there's a lot of nudity in British porn. I mean, I I was I look. I'm as surprised as you were. Yeah, to say that, but is uh, Lady Chatterley's Lover just a bunch of middle aged people? No, they're just they're they're young in their mid twenties, maybe, and oh, they right. once they start taking off their clothes, they don't stop, Mike. All right. Well, that review was for free, but we have plenty of other <laughs> reviews coming up in this episode, this Oscar race checkpoint for you as we go around the awards industry, let you know some of the highlights. Uh, I'm going to give in some takes that I finally caught up with some Oscar movies. Mike has reviews uh, for Lady Chatterley's Lady Chatterley's Lover uh, for the new Josh Rubin movie that just dropped on uh, on. Shudder there, A Wounded Fawn, as well as Violent Night. Uh, all that's coming. We have awards news, obviously, about the People's Choice Awards. We have awards news about BIFA. We have awards news uh, about a couple other things, a couple Film Critics Association as well. So that's all to come on this Oscar Race Checkpoint news show for you. Let's start at the top with the People's Choice Awards that just happened last night. Shania Twain made her giant comeback and crushed it. I saw that. Good. Yeah, I watched some highlights myself. I didn't mm-hmm. have time. I was watching Violent Night last uh, last evening, and uh, I did not watch the People's Choice Awards. I did watch some highlights, though, where she was singing to Ryan Reynolds and such. Yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, she had, she adapted uh, the Don't Impress Me much where it says, so you might be Brad Pitt, uh, so you're Ryan Reynolds. And then the camera mm-hmm. flashed over to Ryan Reynolds, and he was like, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> A lot is the yeah. answer. A lot, sir. <laughs> You don't impress me much. <laughs> a couple highlights of the show. Elizabeth Olsen won both the female movie star of 2022 and the action movie star of 2022. That was fun to see. It kept rolling for the Avengers as Chris Hemsworth was voted in as the male movie star of 2022. Uh, it's for his fourth major People's Choice win. Male movie star of 2022, Chris Hemsworth, huh? It's before he plays Hulk Hogan. What's going to happen next year, Michael? I mean, he's going <laughs> to... good point. He's just, they're not even going to nominate anybody else. And, 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 and we should have known, like Elizabeth Olsen women the, winning the female movie star and the action star, we should have known that was, a, that was a signifier of something later in, you know, in the night. Mm-hmm. Adam Sandler won comedy movie star. It was his eighth win in the comedy star categories. Austin Butler won drama movie star, obviously, for his role in Elvis. Yeah, and as a side note for Elvis, they won 11 Australian Academy Awards yesterday. The actors, I guess. <laughs> anyway, it's cool to see Baz is still very popular on his home turf. To round out the People's Choice Film 
uh, awards here. Top Gun Maverick won the action movie of 2022, and then the weirdness began, Michael. Yeah. The, the Adam Project won comedy. All right, that's at least as explainable, because Ryan Reynolds played such a big role and he got like some kind of legacy tribute award on the night, too, so... Not to accuse the People's Choice voting body of skewing the votes at all, but okay. Yeah, I don't want to totally go troll on Ryan Reynolds, but uh, the, the the first hour of the Adam Project is kind of fun. And also, he gave us a welcome to Wrexham this past year, That's which, true. I, which I absolutely loved. That's true. Uh, don't Worry Darling, one drama, Michael. There was a lot made about Olivia Wilde. I, I think that was the red carpet she was walking. I saw on social mm. media there was a lot made about, what you know, was she wearing her revenge dress that her and Harry Styles supposedly, uh, reportedly split last month. Mm-hmm. This was her first big the public yes. outing since. The answer is yes. Probably. <laughs> but still, for that movie to win. And if you're going to vote Top Gun as the best movie, I w- I'm surprised that Tom Cruise didn't get love for the, uh, I mean, if this truly is a people's choice thing, maybe it's all teenagers and tweeners anyway. Where do they vote on this? Yeah. That's my question. I don't know. But uh, don't worry, darling, one drama. And then the movie of 2022, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, Top Gun Maverick didn't sweep, and that is BS. And that tells me that whatever the voting is, it's, it is it is geared perhaps more yeah. you know, towards young people. But, yeah, I mean, Top Gun Maverick should have won drama, action, comedy movie of 2022 at the People's <laughs> Choice Awards. Tom Cruise should have swept all three major actor movie star awards, yep. comedy, mm-hmm. action, and drama. We know this. Uh, but seriously, how does Doctor Strange lose to Top Gun in action movie and then beat Top Gun in overall movie of the year? If you want to use this as a catalyst for making the theory that not everyone should vote and this is where we should start with that (laughs) i'm totally okay with that premise (laughs) did warren Beatty read these awards what happened here but okay so do we we don't take anything from the people's choice no i mean look it's nice they're fun obviously they're they put on a decent production it looked like but i i did not watch the whole show just like you did not watch the whole show and the reason we didn't is because historically they don't have a lot of crossover or precedent for anything having to do with the academy awards all right, well, let's go where the uh, crossovers do happen, mm-hmm. and that is, of course, the British Independent yes, Film Awards, damn it. <laughs> the <course>. BIFAs. <laughs> we love these BIFAs. We always love the BIFAs. They're fantastic. The fantastic BIFAs. Fantastic uh, BIFAs. <laughs> After Sun did well. This is my nightmare. Still haven't seen that yet, but took home seven what BIFAs. is your nightmare? You haven't seen it yet, so why? Why is I it just, your nightmare? I wanted to, and you know, I did see the acceptance speech. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what award it was for, but uh, where Mezcal and, and Corio were up there, and Corio was talking, saying how he was always listed first on the uh, the call sheet, so he was the star, and Mezcal was the co star. That was fun. That was cute. I'm it's not going to fall for it. I hope they win yeah. everything, but I hate that movie. <laughs> you uh, haven't seen it. <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> Every, everybody is in love with that movie. I have not gotten around to it yet. I am looking forward to checking it out. And, I. I mean, think other people's love makes you uncomfortable it does that's what I think. it does just in general absolutely that's that's greatly greatly something that's been a theme in my life i think uh, but nonetheless after sun took that was me holding this. back a, a, a guffaw a laugh <laughs> and a cry at the same time by the way that's the uh after sun beef at best it won best beef director screenplay cinematography editing music supervision and debut director for charlotte wells who keeps tallying up some big wins and it and it won over some good movies and some movies that are play, playing you know for some Oscars love as well. I mean, Blue Jean is like the other 
beefa, you know, film that they're putting forward from British independent cinema. It did well on the night. We'll talk about that in a minute. But good luck to you, Leo Grant. Living, The Wonder, and of course, Polis Sausage. Or Sausage. And it also beat out... Ditka. <laughs> Ditka for the beefa. <laughs> What's happening? This is an episode purely for 1990s babies. <laughs> yes, seriously, though. After Sun, it did kind of what it needed to do here at the Beefas. You know, it crushed sure. the, the composition categories, film director, screenplay editing, debut director. I mean, a performance category would have certainly helped, but the bottom line is After Sun is gaining a ton of Academy eyes because After Sun is showing up just about everywhere so far in some way, shape, or form, and that's going to continue throughout the rest of this episode. So it's going to get to the top of screener piles and and that can only help it. So people sleeping on after sun as a best picture candidate. They, I mean, they are kind of just sleeping in, in my opinion, because this movie is showing up everywhere and we've had, you know, bigger campaigns mounted by film Twitter, Michael, for like another round, etc., that had less resumes than yeah. after sun has already produced. I mean, you said it, the screener pile argument is the argument that obviously carries the most weight with Academy voters. And the more times in the run-up to the Oscars or Oscars voting season that After Sun's name can be heard in the awards categories or the different awards, the lead-ups, that's going to give it more name recognition and that's going to get people to want to watch it more. So it's going to make that screener go higher in the pile. And I've seen people on Instagram and on on Twitter uh, taking photos of their screeners they've gotten and they're coming in by the bush loads right now i mean they're getting all like piles of dvds in their mailboxes currently so name recognition is only going to help obviously that seems like such an obvious statement but it's i mean you know just because it's cliche doesn't mean it isn't true and to get into the crossover from bifa to to the oscars i mean big bifa showings have become big bafta showings and big bafta showings become you know oscar noms or nom sometimes i mean the favorite is certainly most obvious. Uh, and then you get, you know, all the way through years where we had like After Love and Rocks. Those are recent years where they went from BIFA to BAFTA bubble baths, but not necessarily <laughs> Oscar. But I like to go back through the records because we have The Father. We have Forsama. We have Judy. We have them starting at the BIFAs at the beginning of the season and wind up going to the BAFTAs and then the Oscars, etc. So it does happen. And there is... A dangling, I think, ninth and 10th, but at least 10th spot for Best Picture, even if you just go on Gold Derby and scroll the list of the experts here. I mean, just to give you kind of a, a roundup of names of movies that people have in their ninth or 10th spot that we don't think are slam dunk Best Picture nominees by any stretch right now. Living, Glass Onion, EO. Uh, the, I've seen The Whale has come down quite a bit in the Best Picture conversation. Somebody has Emancipation in their 10th spot. Somebody has Emergency in their 10th mm. spot. So it's like... It is a wide open field, and there is. Like, you made the best point, I think. If, if After Sun is going to be taken seriously for any Oscar category, it needs to kind of crush these independent award shows, and this and is it the first step of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think that the fact that it's got like a place everywhere also matters. Like yes, After I Sun agree. will win debut director in Atlanta or debut screenplay in at the uh, Gotham's. I mean, it's just winning. Or it's at least it's being heavily nominated pretty much everywhere. Yeah, it's it's great for it. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> let's complete the B fatalities. I, this is a shtick. I have nothing against that. This isn't. I have real gripes with movies. This is not one of them. Um, mm-hmm. Let's complete the B fatalities. What happened on the night? Blue Jean won four 
including Best Lead for Rosie McEwen, Supporting for Kiri Hayes, Casting and Debut Screenwriter. Nothing Compares, which is the documentary about Sinead O'Connor, that one too, including Debut Documentary Director and Best Documentary. And the film called Winners won two BIFAs, including Breakthrough Producer Nadira Murray and the Discovery Award for Hassan Nazir. As for one BIFA, we have uh, production design uh, going towards living, which is correct. Sound went to Flux Gourmet, which is wrong. I don't know. I mean, it is a movie based around sound. They just blared the amps. This is gross. These are British idiots. Excuse me. I take it all back when I said this is absurd. It just was. That movie offended me. It offended my ears. Uh, not not my eyes, but my ears, I will say. No, All Flux right. Gourmet. Uh, what a watch that was, Michael. Offended but my best stomach. sound. Are you kidding me? Uh, original music, The Wonder. Okay, I could see that. Best effects went to men, which is also hilariously wrong. I no? disagree with that take. I mean, butt puke, if that's like a... Well- <laughs> I mean, the giant, you know, egg-shaped things at the end that are just kind of hanging out in the lawn and giving birth. It's what uh, it's what we've never seen before, but that doesn't mean you give it an award. Okay. <laughs> I don't think we're going to find common ground there. I don't think so. I think we're too far apart. Makeup and hair went to Medusa Deluxe. Costume design went to Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. All right, I'll nod for that. Uh, and then Breakthrough I Performance. Bet you will. <laughs> Breakthrough performance with the Safia Oakley Green from The Origin. Best joint lead performance went to the Silent Twins for Letitia Wright and Tamara Lawrence. I almost hit play on this in the last couple days. You did okay. hit play on this in the last couple days. Uh, you're going to give a review on it after I tell the good listeners here that the Silent Twins won over Frankie Coria and Paul Mezcal of Aftersun, which has got to be a surprise, I would think. Daryl McCormick and Emma Thompson of Good Luck to You, Leo Grant, and Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear in Men. Some good uh, nominees in this uh, category for sure. Wright and Lawrence have many emotional blowouts in the Silent Twins, which, you know, I could see why that could be awardable. I'm just, like, really put off by that film. And if I'm going to give anecdotal reviews for a lot of movies, then sometimes they got to go negative here. The Silent Twins was a tonal mess for me. There's Hmm. a lot of creativity into the the project, and I I could certainly pull things out that I really loved. But like audibly, it's a it, it, it drove drove me nuts, and you know I have a. So does that mean a, it was too loud for you? That's a thing for me. Yeah, but yeah. it's just strange because like they won't speak ever, and then all of a sudden it's getting very loud, and they have these childlike voices that they just do in like this fantasy world, and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? And I'm, I'm I, eventually I'm half paying attention, so maybe this is a me problem. But like, dude, what a weird, what a weird structure. For a film, The Silent Twins. So. On a scale of one to Flux Gourmet, it's Flux Gourmet more so than any kind of numerical entering? <laughs> it's uh, not quite Flux Gourmet, right. no, but yeah. uh, but it's close. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, it's kind of disheartening to hear. We were both kind of excited about that one. You uh, yeah. to hear. I guess you were, maybe subconsciously, you think you're entering this realm of solitude and you can you know you have a partner here with a movie called the silent twins you don't have to worry about being yelled at and having noise blared in your face 
and then they come over the top and yell at you and blare noise in your face anyway, and you're more off put by it. It was like Honeyland. I thought I was yeah, just going to hear right. some light buzzing. Exactly. Instead, it was just a cacophony of yells and yelps and <laughs> just carnage. Was an Audible Eminem, carnage. An Eminem album, Songs to Get Murdered To. It's like Sounds to Get Murdered To for you. Yeah, yeah I, I get pretty it. Much. I get it. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what might be the most impactful award of the Beef a Night. Best International Independent Film. That went to the worst person in the world. Hmm. Why is that important? Well, that's obviously a player from last year's Oscars, but it beat what might be big players in that category in this year's Oscars. It won over all the beauty and the bloodshed, close decision to leave, and most especially, it beat out everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, so Best International Feature winners of the past have come from this category, like The Lives of Others, like A Separation, like Roma and Parasite, and and nominees like Flea. But we've also seen other Oscar winners in the past that have been Best Picture contenders like Boyhood and Room and winners like Moonlight and Nomadland and, oh, I I crossed over uh, Get Out one a couple years back. So this category can be an Oscar predictor, the Best International Independent Film. And to give it to something from last year, I get it. Like the worst person in the world was super popular. There's no question about that. But everything everywhere all at once, Michael, are you worried? Are you worried that it didn't get the B-double-I beef a bubble bath (laughs) here? We're just just a Maya Rudolph podcast. Is that what we're doing? (laughs) Or Big Mouth? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why? why? Why didn't everything everywhere continue like its momentum in this category? I don't know. It's a great question. I, look, everything everywhere, E-E-I-O-O, as I can call it for shorthand, <laughs> it's, it's been treated weird because it was so hot when it came out. It's had legs the whole time, but like just recently, it's kind of been like, well, all these big movies that we thought might be contenders at the end of the year have not been the blow-away best picture leaders that we expected upon their debut. So maybe we do default back to everything, everywhere, all at once. And then that's gotten it pushed up to maybe the top or towards the top three or four of the best picture class. And then, yeah, I don't see how this... I don't think this is a big detriment. I'm not like super worried that the Beefus didn't go for it in its international feature category. But it it's not helped by it, certainly. Not helped. And you'd wonder if it could win at the BAFTAs if it didn't win at the BIFAs. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, the British Academy crosses over with the with the AMPAs more than anybody else. I'm more else. concerned about decision to leave falling here. Because that's only going to contend mm-hmm. probably in one or two categories in the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, we'll, uh, as it, as always, it means everything and nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll have to go on to other award show bodies that give us hope for everything everywhere, like the Atlanta Film Critics Association Awards, Michael. And the big winner was, of course, a film that I'm transitioning to. There you go. By the way, good job, Atlanta. Good job, Georgia, last night with the Senate runoff. Well, mm. Raphael Warnock getting reelected there to, for in Senate. But uh, yeah, as far as the Atlanta Film Critics Association Awards go, there were four movies that took home multiple awards led by E-E-A-A-O. E-E-U-U-E-A-A. Ting Tang. Walla Walla Bing Bang. This is you. This is a you issue. It's it's having to say everything everywhere. I mean, it's a beautiful title, but it's just, I don't know how to shorthand that. Everything? Everywhere? Well, once? The, the, remember the acronym you kept you kept using for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes. Ote. Yeah. Ote. Wahoo. 
A wide, wide tee? A wide tee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that didn't work either. No, nothing Nothing catches on. I'm not a trendsetter. <laughs> but every all, everywhere all at once. See, that's why I wanted Jordan. I'm going to stumble over that if I have to say it in transition. But anyway, mm-hmm. that movie, which is great, uh, is a trendsetter. It rebounded at the Atlanta Film Critics Association Awards on Monday. It uh, took three big awards. Best Film, Best Director for the Daniels, and Best Supporting Actor going to Ki-Hui Kwan. Yeah, and he's uh, keeping his momentum going, which is which is exciting. That's I think sure. that's, I mean, he's got to be like a minus 250 right now, front runner for that category. They did put out odds, and he, like I said, they would immediately. And uh, our friends on, on Twitter were, were saying he's like plus some books, 183. They, some books put out odds. Yeah, I was looking, I mean, a lot of the European books still don't, I mean, where I usually, and they're usually the first to get stuff. The places I usually check to get odds still have nothing. I even went beyond that. I went to a couple Vegas, but there's just nothing out. I don't know where these guys are getting them from. Lights, camera, where's the action? Were the ones that fill this in. Uh, they're a fun follow on Twitter as well as far as Oscar gambling goes. I don't know what books they looked at, but the ones I we go to and I go to quite often still have nothing. But yeah, they they for, informed us that uh, Kiwe Kwan is entrenched as the front runner as I think he should be. Well, we're market makers. That's as, true. As usual. That's Not trendsetters, but we are market makers. I like that. I can rest my head. <laughs> we will lose people money. <laughs> Mike, Mike and Oscar. <laughs> There's the slogan. Banshees of Inishirin also won two in Atlanta. Lead actor, Colin Farrell. Brandon Frazier is just not beating Colin Farrell everywhere you look lately. Mm, I wonder if uh, I wonder if Farrell's going to be the critical favorite or or what because we've seen that we've seen yep. that too. Yeah, absolutely. True story. Best screenplay went to Martin McDonough there for Banshees as well. Glass Onion may have surprised some people. It won Best Supporting Actress for Janelle Monet, and it also took home the award for Best Ensemble Cast. But let's placate also Mike here. Don't worry. Top Gun Maverick did win. It won Best <laughs> Cinematography and it won the Stunt Work Award. Yes, and I'm very happy about that. But look, I mean, we're not going to do this kind of recap for every single city in terms of the (laughs) alphabet soup of critical awards. But number one, this is one of the early ones, so it's fun to start Mm -hmm. with Atlanta. But number two, Atlanta's had some really predictive years, like in 2020, Michael, where they did 12 awards, 12 major awards. They nailed six eventual Oscar winners, and the other six eventually got nominated. So... Wow. 2020, they were right on. In 2021, not so much. Three crossover winners, and they kind of went completely off the rails for licorice pizza, which, for the record, sounds kind of (laughs) delicious. Anyway, some other Atlanta winners. I don't know if the microphone picked that up, but I sighed. Some other notable Atlanta winners include Kate Blanchett, RRR, Pinocchio, Fire of Love, the breakthrough performer to Austin Butler, the best first feature, again, like I said, after after Sun, after Wells, or after Sun, to Charlotte Wells, and Mike won, listen to this, best original score went to Michael Giacchino for the Batman, which is... Uh, which, again, you know, in terms of criticizing other stuff for being audibly too loud. Um, I'm not helping this episode's uh, trajectory. <laughs> great, great point. Great I'm point. En- I'm encouraging you. Great point. And Can't I was wait for you to listen before. to this back and be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Maybe those Honeyland folks should get a pass. Anyway, Michael, we did our awards roundup for the moment, and I think that was fun. What I'm not sure is if this next segment is going to be fun because it's the Avatar The Way of Water first reactions on social media segment here, and you don't like these. 
I'm tired. I'm just tired of them. If, if you're mm-hmm. if you like tuning in for Angry Mike One, this is a good episode for you. The second half of this episode, anyway, because I got a couple things that I just don't understand. <laughs> uh, I there is a trend, and we've talked mm-hmm. about the pundit parade problem that's going on with uh, critics, and it, this is kind of a bigger example of that but there is a trend certainly in the last few years maybe it's excitement to be back in with people after covid i don't know when mm-hmm. the red carpet premiere happens and every critic gets to watch the the debut of the movie in the theater with the people that worked on the film if it's a highly anticipated big studio movie and it's at all passable it seems all you're going to get are these gushing of like Flowers and awards and high marks and praises and I'm blown away and I was this was outstanding. I mean, it happened with Dune a couple years ago. You know, we were commenting on this and it like mm-hmm. Dune was a good movie, but it wasn't like the greatest movie of all time. The Fablemans was a good movie, but it was nowhere near the the type of marks you were seeing on uh, came out of the red carpet premiere from all the critics on Twitter and stuff. We're getting the same thing from Avatar: The Way of Water. I, I like if you were on Twitter yesterday on the sixth mm-hmm. of December. People were just hitting their thesaurus, hoping to get picked up by the Avatar commercial for a poll quote, it seemed like. To be fair, now, you made some references there that may not be the best examples, because, like, Dune would get nominated for a million Oscars, and The Fablemans is the best Yeah, and this is, you're right. It's a subjective, and it's a threshold issue. Like, these are some of the big Oscar players. Sure, I get that. We've seen these parades for, like, In the Heights. We've seen these parades for other films as and well i guess i'm saying you're absolutely right for that caveat and caveat number two i would say like to me if it's gonna be this gush fest coming out mm-hmm. of the premiere well then don't wait for the the movie to hit the public and when the public isn't as high on it as all the critics are you walk it back if you're somebody that says all these things like i've seen that happen time after time and it's incredibly frustrating it's like oh it's the greatest movie of all time until the public gets their hands on it they don't share my opinion and then i'm gonna say well it's got this and this wrong with it it's like if it's the greatest movie of all time stand by it stand by it uh so yeah i think uh i think twitter i think and i think that atmosphere is a place where parades can start and begin. Everybody and... wants to be like, it's a real yeah. good moment. They're all excited to be around these big names and they're all excited to take in this special moment. They get to see the movie before everyone else. I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's mm-hmm. just frustrating to watch from the outside. We, uh, it's we, not we... jealousy either. Cause I have no interest in going. to these. <laughs> No, no, no. We're, we're pretty <laughs> determined not to do that. We're, we're going to just stay measured and calm and see them when we see them. Uh, and, and, just continue to be on our high horses where well, you don't even like horses. It's, <laughs> I love the animal. I don't like the movie's obsession with it, but it's not, it's not, I don't think it's a high. I mean, maybe it is. And if it is dear listener, please tell me and I'll take the criticism. It just feels, it feels hypocritical to me. So I think, I, I think people get swept up is, yes, is the point I, I agree uh, with that. where I would ag- certainly agree with you. Now I do think, I think it's a factor when a movie is just a huge hit when it comes out immediately and it dazzles everybody as much as the Avatar, the way of water first reactions seem to have done. That being said, it's 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 fun to read some of these. And I, I kind of I, I quoted a few here uh, to, to, to get into, but it, it's it's also a little a little bit fatiguing to read all David of them, I guess Sims, yeah. okay, of The mm-hmm. Atlantic. I was slapping my seat, <laughs> hooting, screaming. Were you? You were slapping your seat, hooting and screaming in the Avatar world premiere? 
I, okay, if you were, great. I hope mm-hmm. I get to feel the same about it. I was slapping my seat, <laughs> hooting, screaming for the Na'vi to take out every last one of those dang Sky people. It's an Avatar movie, slow start, big build, incredibly involving second act with a ton of world building and cool creatures that blisses you way out than an hour of screamingly good, crystal clear, emotionally trenchant, good, I mean, how many adjectives, action to send you home full and happy. Uh, okay, that's fine, man. He was screaming. He was it screaming laid, in the seat. It laid its hands upon me in this chair so that I may get up and walk. Perry Nemiroff of Collider. I like Perry, too. I do, too. She said it's pretty incredible. Uh, she had faith in James Cameron that he would raise the bar with effects. But these visuals, she says, or visuals, are mind-blowing. One stunning frame after the next. But the thing I dug most is how the technical feats always feel in service of character and world building. You know what? I didn't even read that review. That, that's I have no issue with that. Mm. It's pretty incredible. Okay, I liked it. the the world The visuals are mind blowing. That's fine. You're not <laughs> slapping your seat, screaming and hoot. Like <laughs> maybe he was. Maybe he was. He, maybe, maybe he was. Tr- maybe he was. I don't know, David. I, I know. I, I know. I'm not trying to. T- I really don't mm-hmm. mean to, to insult anyone individually. But like it. it, it look. Again, threshold and subjective. If these are the reviews we get, if it if mm-hmm. you're causing yourself to scream and who like to me that should be like an eleven time Oscar winner. Right? Like if 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 you get a plethora of those reviews from established critics like we did mm-hmm. for this movie, then this should be a no doubt best picture front runner, shouldn't it? And it's not. Yet. Maybe not it yet. will be. But it doesn't Maybe seem it like it will be. Well, we're we're getting there. Let's uh let's read a contrary opinion though from yes. a friend of MMO, Eric Weber. <laughs> Eric Weber, there is no Z E R O zero reason for Avatar the Way of Water to clock in at three hours and twelve minutes. Preach, Eric. Essentially identical <laughs> to the first, only immersed in water. <laughs> this indistinguishable from its predecessor rerun exhausts and numbs. When are studios gonna step in and demand tighter, stronger edits? Hmm. Yeah. So too long. I would, you know, having not seen the movie, I agree with that assessment. (laughs) All right. So we found some common ground here for the moment. I do want to shout out David Long at Film Is Worth It, who got us up to date with some betting odds, because as he said when he came on our show, uh, he was intrigued, as were we, about the Avatar The Way of Water best picture odds. Betting line was 50 to 1 in all books in UK before last night, uh, David says, and it's now eight to one in all but one book. That is a quote, massive move. Bookies have shortened that line hugely. Yeah. And for a movie that cured polio, that's kind of impressive that it's not a bigger favorite (laughs) as you would think it would be with all these reviews, which is my point. (laughs) I mean, the Fablemans was received in, not at TIFF wanna... with an audience award, which me, we know means a lot. Yeah, I yeah, get it. Right. No, yeah. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about when it hit the public, when it hit its debut, when it hit its like its wide opening, mm. even 700 theaters or whatever. It was it was a relatively tepid reception, right? But it's still Several the betting old favorite. people chuckled. Yeah, it's still the betting favorite for Best Picture. If this movie is what everyone said it was, there's no way it should only be eight to one right now. Hmm. That's my I, point. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Based on. <laughs> Film Twitter reactions. Right. It's the greatest movie. Maybe they're overreacting is my point. Maybe. Maybe they're overreacting. I, I think I'm with you there. Uh, we're just going to keep the possibility open. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe we will be hooting and hollering right. 
as well. I hope to slap. I do. I like. I genuinely hope I'm hooting, hollering, and slapping my seat when I watch Avatar two. I hope that with every movie I go to see, and because I'd never do, that's why I get miserable on the mic. <laughs> the moviegoer's <laughs> prayer. All right, look, industry news in terms of this segment. It might be the quickest in our history, Michael, because I'm going to ask you one question. Do you like the name Max? (laughs) (laughs) Not so quick, because I need to laugh first. I like that it took that company a month to come up with that name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, whatever is my answer. Uh Whatever. I'll just still fucking pay for it, I guess. So let's review some movies here. We have a Make the Case segment with six major reviews. And I want you to start because... Uh, I'm very proud. I'm very, I'm very excited to hear your takes on these three big films that uh, that uh, you, you you wanted to catch up on. You, I mean, you really went in. You really went in. Yeah. The last couple of nights here, uh, watching some big films at home uh, for PVOD. Right. You went. You went. Yeah. I mean, who who needs the A list when you can watch these for twenty bucks a pop? <laughs> you spent big money as on, on a yeah. You should have just gone for a twenty five dollars subscription to the movies. Or yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe we should, we should have started some... this episode with. I'm not a smart man. <laughs> Maybe we should get them for free in screeners or whatever, which we can. Which you yeah. refuse, just yeah. belligerently refuse to do because we're we're a holes ultimately. Yes. Correct. Uh, but we're we're very stubborn. But A-list no, yeah, you. For but look at I feel like there's we we. All right, I'm I'm just gonna make this. I'm gonna plant my flag in the Go ground. Ahead. I feel like if I get every fucking movie for free, I am not gonna be as objective as objectivity demands. No. I mean, can we just say that? I mean, this could be. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Look, I I agree with you. I I, will speak for myself. No, 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 I agree. I won't be. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But the reason I hesitate, because this could be like a 20 minute conversation, because there is no doubt going back to the critics overreacting in the theater. Like, There's no doubt the personal relationships that these people build in Hollywood affect the way they take in everything. I mean, there's. It's impossible to be objective if you're in L.A. doing this, I feel. Getting wined and dined, getting... Right. I mean, there's just... It's, it's, you know, we are tangentially only related to a couple aspects of Hollywood, and obviously it it impacts the way we review things. We're curmudgeon too. Like, I don't want to be beholden to have to, like, write shit down (laughs) at all. That's where I'm at. I've just... I've been a writer for 20 years of my life, and I don't want to write reviews, period, end of story... Uh, it just that's when I'm I'm I have a, I'm phobic about doing so, so I refuse. And uh, otherwise, you know, yeah, if they want to give us for this for this blabbering, if they want to give us screaming <laughs> screeners, maybe uh, yeah, I will sign up for those maybe someday. But Jesus, I, I like the fact that you have to spend twenty dollars for tar. You can now review whether or not it's worth your twenty dollars. Yes, I can, and I I'll say tar is. I mean, if you you could spend twenty bucks on. Look, if you're going to strap yourself in for a three-hour offering, <laughs> I, I, honest to God, I'd rather see a movie like Tar at home than I would in the theaters just because two and a half hours of Tar in the theaters is a four-hour minimum day. Yeah. And it's two and a half hours at home where you could pause it and take a bathroom break and, you know, <laughs> finish it the next day if you want. Like, if you're going to put these huge-ass movies out there, mm-hmm. it depends on your taste. I get it. And, you, I mean, obviously, you're going to get more out of it if you see it in the theater, but taste being what it is uh tar was enjoyable look i i have a rewatchability with tar that i didn't oh. expect to have 
I completely understand why Kate Blanchett is being treated like the front runner, but I didn't get that from her performance. Like I was expecting this huge emotional type performance from her, and it is not that at all. No, it's, it's quite not. reserved and quite pulled back and quite manipulative and calculating behind mm. her eyes. Um, but she does a phenomenal job. I it's just an wanna... actor's actor's performance, right? right? But it's, it, because mm. it's an actor's actor's performance, like that's surprising that it's so out in front right now to me. Because those are usually the ones that come from the crowd. There's a lot of craft there too. Sure, like and she's every minute of this movie, and also mm-hmm. she's. I mean, she's got a few big scenes too. I mean, you're just oh, yeah. uh, the one on stage at the end. There's a few big emotional scenes worked in. You almost forget them. Yeah, this is a very well-rounded, well-composed movie. I get the love for Todd Field for director. I think I'm most impressed with the screenplay, the story of it. Um, I think that, to me, would be its biggest category or biggest Good. chance at an Oscar. I don't understand at all why it's not a competitor for sound. I understand sound is going to be highly competitive this year. There's a lot of big blockbusters that have Oscar legs in sound. There's a lot of fun indie movies that have uh, good sound attached to them. You have a movie here that has multiple scenes with a full orchestra playing both beautiful music and purposely playing horrible music. You hear it (laughs) all. You hear every individual, like, section of the orchestra, and this isn't a competitor for sound? Yeah, that's that's a bit strange. The movie also also features like stuff that you're wondering if it's in her head or if it's. I mean, she's she's kind of composing music based off of like the uh, doorbell ringtones and stuff, and mm-hmm. like it, it is unique how they they handle the the sound design in Tar. Uh, I I will go. I will agree with you on that front. Uh, I do I do bang the table. I'm glad you love the script, and I I guess my Blanchett comparison is probably Daniel Day-Lewis and Phantom Thread. It was just, it is more reserved, even though it is constant and, and, and all-consuming, but it is more reserved in terms of what she's delivering, and it is calculating, like you say. may may It's not even as showy as a Fassbender and Steve Jobs, is it? No, but he, he the, went this, the dialogue, I mean, there's a lot of talking pieces that are are reminiscent of something like a Steve Jobs script. Like the opening of this, the first 20 minutes with that New Yorker interview, it's just a conversation, essentially. And it's a lot of, it's an expo dump for the most part, but it's well done. It's it's done in the visage Mm. of an interview, which is very informative. And I mean, it had me believing Lydia Tarr was a real historical figure that Kate Blanchett was playing because they put so many facts in there uh, that are obviously all made up. I get the love for Tarr. I don't think it's... I still can see it falling short of Best Picture. I can absolutely see Todd Field getting nominated for director, winning screenplay, Blanchett falling short of actress and Best Picture. Maybe it doesn't make it, but I think it's probably in the seven to eight range for Best Picture right now. It is struggling in terms of like the Gold Derby rankings, for instance, in terms of the craft categories, cinematography, 10, editing, 11, production design, 15, original score is seventh as its best shot. So we're really looking at. I mean, well, it's Gold a lot Derby. of conversations in rooms. I mean, the, the, I would I would push back on cinematography a little bit because there's a lot of wonders in this. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of tracking shots where the camera's moving around and it doesn't. It, at least it doesn't look like there's cuts, like a 1917 type thing. Um, maybe there are in there and they're just well that well edited together. But uh, yeah, I don't know that it's awards. It, it's up to the Oscars level necessarily. I don't. You know, I would still have Top Gun over it. So original screenplay, picture, director. Todd Field uh, for two there, and then Blanchett are the f- 
was that four four where gold derby has it in for certain do you do you see that as like a a swath that makes sense i mean we've seen it somewhat before yeah, but that's it, all it, it makes sense but like i said like i could see I mean, I think Blanchett gets nominated because she's been the front runner. And usually, if you're the front runner at this point and you're so entrenched as the front runner in an acting category, you at least make it to nomination. Mm-hmm. You, whether you fall off or not is another thing. If she's not nominated, it's kind of ridiculous. Right. Something's got to happen. Like she's right. got to, you know, kick somebody out a window or something. Right. <laughs> like, which, that's an Ann Thompson would, joke. Sorry. <laughs> in and of itself, be worthy of a claim right. and following. Um, but yeah, I see Blanchett's going to be there. Todd Field, I could see falling out of the director. I think it's well-directed, but I can see... I mean, I just think director's got like six or seven big names competing for a couple spots right now. If they reallocate his credit towards a screenplay, it makes it makes some sense there. Which so, is usually what happens on the Academy level anyway with this type of thing. True, true. So that, that, that could happen. So picture, screenplay, actress, one, two, three. Could it be as slim as that? Yeah, which, which I'm not even convinced that picture is a slam dunk yet. Hmm. I mean, it's really good. It's a really good movie. I th- what did I give it? I, I gave it a uh, an eighty five B, eighty four B. So it's right. I mean, it's like a solid B all day for me. I mean, it's entertaining, which is for the subject matter, which it can be discern disconcerting and discomforting, and the person you're following on screen for the entirety of the movie who is not a great person. Do you think it's ambiguous? <laughs> Just to you got to say dance this. Spoilers here. I'll say this: when you read reviews of Tar. Mm-hmm. You are shown definitively, this is not a good person. Mm-hmm. When you watch Tar, Kate Blanchett, and again, this is where I give credit to the screenplay and the performance, the dialogue is so delivered in such a way where you can find yourself agreeing with some of the points she makes before you have to take yourself outside of it and watch like the argument she's making from an obje- objective level. But the subjectivity that she brings to it and like, inserting her character's POV into those words, you can, I found myself being like, yeah, that makes sense. Wait wait a minute. No, of course that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Like, so there is, I don't think there's ambiguity, but I think there's a really good screenplay. Yeah. It's, it's almost, it's dangerously good in that, in that regard. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. You also watched Till, Michael. (sighs) (laughs) All right. It's a C plus movie for me. Uh, Danielle Deadweiler is obviously the headline. You made a lot of good points. She does a lot of great acting. It's You said this is the actor's acting performance. I agree with that. Uh, there are the big emotional scenes here. She has two set centerpiece set pieces that are like, these are your Oscar scenes. And she goes for it and she kills those, I think. I don't know where this movie's second nomination would come from outside of her. Which yes. makes me be very hesitant to say she would be a slam dunk nominee. Costumes are 10th on Gold Derby. Original okay, I could song. see that. I could see costumes, even though it's a lot of suits. Original song is 15th. But yeah, Gold Derby is not really uh, disagreeing with you there. So this is, I mean, this is Jennifer Lopez a couple years ago from Hustlers. This is, I mean, mm. this could be Glenn Close with where she does get nominated at the end of the day, but she gets up, you know, she doesn't really have enough legs to win it because she's still so low nominee. I, I always get very concerned when I watch a movie that, doesn't a couple things don't jump out at me and deadweiler is the star of this even though it's a little bizarre in the way she's presented because you don't get a lot of daniel deadweiler at all for the first like 33 minutes of this movie i stopped it and checked so like to have a leading actress performance be held out for the first basically 25 percent of your film i think is a little weird even though she is in a a majority of that last 75 percent um look it was it was a fine watch 
I I get where where the uh, flowers for Chinyonye Chukwu come in. I think it's well directed. That to me would be where I would put its second most Oscar-y type stuff. Except I don't think she has much of a chance to jump in the field. I don't know that she would even be in the top ten right now. Yeah, it's it's a hard it's a hard uh, field to break into. This uh, there, yeah. I mean, you and I may quibble or quabble with a few things, but otherwise, I think we're we're in the same ballpark with Till. What do you think its second best nominee would be? Personally, I uh, I don't necessarily disagree with Gold Derby either. What do I think should be closer? I think the score is better than twenty five. I, I like the music. It, it, it was it was heavy, but it. It worked for me. Uh, it was immersive in that regard. Uh, it was hymnal. I mean, it was. Well, that's it, true. That's true. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I kind of. I thought it was an appropriate tone. I uh, I would give the screenplay a little more credit too, because I think this is just in terms of degree of difficulty, an impossible story to tell and make into a you know a big Hollywood movie. So See, I, I think and I think that's that's we're we're nitpicking here because where you would give that credit to the screenplay, I think I give it more to the directorial because I think the impossibility comes in from like how do you treat Emmett mm-hmm. Till's death and the body respectfully, right? And to me, I gave that credit to to Chinyonye Chukwu, and you seem like you're giving it to the screenplay, and it's probably we're probably both right to be honest. I was bracing for a different film, I, I suppose, with Till, and I got I got something that was much more palatable, not as hard to not as impossible to watch as i feared i suppose yeah i think that's a fair assessment i think that's a fair assessment i mean your concerns in that regard i feel like are eased pretty early into the movie you could tell this is a movie that's going to be handled gently because of its subject matter and even you know the, the the taking of emmett till which is historically accurate by whatever you read man it's tough to watch but it's right there's no disrespect and it doesn't cross the line as we've seen some of these types of movies doing these historical recounts do previously. Definitely. So yeah, we can agree in that regard. I, I do wonder, I do wonder if the screener pile argument comes into play here. If people are going to shy away from, from putting the screener. in. Yeah. And because Daniel Deadweiler isn't Kate Blanchett right now, in terms of she's not the slam dunk front runner. I do worry about her, alone having enough legs to make it to Oscars Sunday, Oscars nomination. That being said, we've we've seen a lot of solo nominees in actress more than That's true. perhaps any other of the acting that categories. So That's a good point. Uh, we'll see. Uh, Michael, one more from you. She said, What you, you the love hell me. is wrong with all of you? <laughs> what is wrong with you people? <laughs> this is so clearly to me one of the best movies of the year. Good. I, I pray this gets... I, I think part of the reason they put it out on VOD so early is to hope it gets a second life and that people get the eyes on it and the public kind of hooks to it. I don't know that it'll happen, but I mean, what what more do you want? Like, if your nitpick with this movie is that some of the characters came off as too one-note and too altruistic, well, like, my defense of that would be somebody along the line in real life during this situation fucking had to be. Yeah. So I don't really hold that against it because I, I, and this is a subjectivity thing, but I believe that for some, for the New York Times to stand up to in the face of what they were, what the pressures they were facing in this type of movie, somebody had to be too good to be true and too noble to be true. And if that's Patricia Clarkson, then fine. I don't care. I tell you what, I feel like 
watching Spotlight and all the President's Men recently, I do believe there are some genre expectations where the characters let their hair down more often than those other films. And then she said they're far more professional for more of much more of the movie where they have a couple scenes where yes, they let their hair down, but not, not in most scenes of the film. Like oh, they're I'm so just, glad you brought that sto- up. they're stone cold pros, which because is, they have again, to be like, that's yeah, what you have to be as a reporter. Right. And they you do hope you do show like, there's so many intricacies of an actual human being here that aren't just being emotionally invested in the story. And you do get those scenes. You're right. You do get the, the scenes where, 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 uh, Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan are, do show themselves, do, they cracked in the veneer. Zoe Kazan more so than Carrie Mulligan, even though Carrie Mulligan has maybe the biggest outburst of the movie in the bar with the man coming up to her. But definitely you, you see, I mean, these are, first of all, these are real life women who are shown to be working mothers who are in both marriages. One just recently gave birth. Both are, dealing with their kids in almost every scene in which they're information gathering, which is astounding to watch. And then you think to yourself as you're watching this, this has to be how these investigative reporters actually live their lives, which is incredible that they're able to get anything done. Cause when I watch my niece and nephew, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> so the fact that these people are able to like walk in the park with their significant other and their child or, or FaceTime their kid late at night when they get no sleep because they have to hop a train to the next place in London to hunt down. A... It's, it's incredible to watch these women work. I really, really respect that that was shown. Um, I really, I respect the legal aspects of what was shown here. They, they touch on a lot, like law schools don't teach NDAs. In my experience, that's absolutely true. I mean, there was never touched on. NDAs by their own kind of uh, existence are these nebulous things that were kind of made from whole cloth to just mm. be what they are. So there's not a lot to teach about them, except obviously the bad actors have kind of corrupted them and made them their own tool. And yes, the the cracks in the veneer, how human and empathetic these reporters had to be when they have to stay reporters and they can't veer off into being friends with these sources, nor therapists, despite the horrible stuff they're hearing. And they can't show that they're emotionally invested in any aspect of the story when talking to a source. All they can be is human, but they have to be that straight laced for what? 18 hours a day because they're hunting down a story and then they're working on it and talking to their superiors and supervise. Like it it was incredible. It was the most human telling of this that I think it could have been. And if this is how the actual story went down, which again, it's movie, it's fantasy, who knows? But if this is how the actual story went down, I mean, never mind Pulitzer's a Nobel prize. Megan Toohey and Jody Cantor deserve like, I don't know, medals of honor, (laughs) the presidential medal of freedom. (laughs) It's incredible stuff. I was, uh, as I said it a couple episodes ago, I was really thrilled to rewatch this and see that they made such heroes out of both the sorcerers and the sorcerers. Yes. You know, that that was really cool. And I will say in terms of my reviews, kind of get the record straight. I, this was like one of the last films I saw at the New York Film Festival. And I was exhausted because I was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just living and go every spare moment I was shooting trains into New York. So I was really glad to see this again last week and be like, oh, yeah, this is good really strong b plus grade and sing its praises last yeah. weekend to try and hopefully get people to to see it so now that it's on pvod i i do hope people are watching it at home because it is frustrating i'll just be honest it is dismaying to watch the discourse of this on film twitter for to, oh just to be i can't fucking stand it <laughs> like it's awful like look to me these movies, these these investigative journalist movies to me, they're one of my favorite genres, and so there is a significant amount of bias I know I'm bringing to this. But mm-hmm. the fact that this didn't fall short of my 
giant expectations of it infuriates me for how it's been received otherwise. I don't understand how Maria Schrader isn't being taken more seriously as a threatened director. I don't understand how this screenplay, Jesus Christ, isn't a bigger player. I don't understand... I mean, Carrie Mulligan had like a week where she was being taken seriously as a huge uh, frontrunner and supporting actress. She's fallen back a little bit. I think she should be right up there with like the Jamie Lee Curtises of the world or the Stephanie Sue's of the world. Uh, Zoe Kazan, I don't know that she would be the top five, but she's probably in the top ten for lead actress. I understand why she got the lead actress demarcation as well, because she the one that goes to London in this movie solo. She does a couple things solo in this movie. I think I don't think there's any category fraud between those two. I think that's a proper uh, identification of those two uh, women there. Jennifer Ely, who plays Laura Madden in this, she should be in consideration for supporting actress. She won't yeah. be. She, to me, reminded me of, I can't remember her name, um, the movie from Netflix a couple years ago with the uh the shot uh, it's going to be terrible that Shia LaBeouf is the only name I can pull from it and he wasn't obviously who we're talking about. The The Pieces of a woman. Pieces of a woman, yes. The the not the lead, not Vanessa Kirby, the, the secondary mother. woman. Oh god. Who was I the midwife that. at the beginning of that movie, who we all said oh, yes. should have been not that Molly Parker. Molly, Molly Parker. Parker. Thank you, Mike. Jennifer Ely reminded me so much of that performance in that mm. it's such a big part in this movie, but it's a relatively smaller role. But I think it's one of the, one of those roles we're going to look back on in a couple of years and be like, God damn, she was really freaking good. And she should have gotten more consideration. I think as far as like big six categories go, this should be a player in four of those six. Bit part is the worst word. Cameo is a better one. Thank you. Guest role is a, is a TV thing. But we need to come up with a word for a shorter role in a yes. film and then create an Oscar category around impact, it. I would agree with impact you. feature, maybe? Maybe. You know, featured role, something like that. Yeah. A much classier podcast would be able to figure this out, I think. Uh, I, I do not have the brain. Uh, I, don't have, I do not have the diction. We don't brain to... good. Yeah. <laughs> Especially at the end of an episode. But look, I'm, I'm thrilled that you love this movie. I was trying to, you know stump for it myself a couple weeks ago to, to pat myself on the back here. But I, uh, I, you know, I wish, I wish it did better in theaters. That's ultimately what is prob what is, what is holding it back. And we've said this before on the show, box office does matter. And anybody who tells you differently is just not really plugged in because this is an industry award. Mm -hmm. And if this is looked at as a bottom line failure, at the box office, we've seen other bottom line failures, but critical successes just at the end of the day underperform at the Oscars, like a first man, for instance, Damien Chazelle's film that you and That's I were extremely exactly high. what I think this movie is. That is exactly. I said, I tweeted that last night. I, I said, I can't wait because first man has kind of had this renaissance on film Twitter lately where people are looking back on it for whatever, I guess, because Babylon's coming out. So they're looking back mm -hmm. at Chazelle's last movie. I said, I can't wait. Uh, first Man came out in 2018. It's now 2022. I said, I can't wait until 2026 when we all can look back and say, hey, why wasn't She Said received better at the time? This movie's wonderful. It's like, yeah, that's what I'm expecting in a couple of years. I wonder if it was the, the release date. I, I wonder if uh, that, that hurt it. Uh, adapted screenplay is still in the thick of it, though, because I do think that's a, that's a wide-open category this year. So maybe She Said at the end of the day we'll get supporting actress and adapted screenplay and we'll feel okay about it. But yeah, director, picture, probably on the outside looking in mm -hmm. right now. And that that's that's kind of a shame, unfortunately. Yeah, I I, uh, I hate everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is how I know these movies work on me, though, because like 
I'm I'm not open to suggestions ever because I'm just a stubborn man. But like every time I watch one of these movies that are well done, I'm like, I got to be an investigative journalist. <laughs> Dude, we well, we might as well uh, we might as well follow through on the, this conversation, because if we don't mention it here, where are we going to mention it? Look, is it a factor that she said is being covered by the same critic, many of the same critics that covered Harvey Weinstein, at least the old guard of them, right? And we're, we're, we're wondering why the promotional wing failed for She Said, at least the We film weren't journalism. as plugged in. I mean, that's a great question. We weren't as plugged in uh, to the trades when the Weinstein stuff was going on. Right, but if, what I'm saying if, is... Well, well, this is part of my explanation. If what was shown in the movie was true and Weinstein undercut the New York uh, Times article by going to Variety and The Hollywood Reporter and putting out his piece first, saying that I know there's stuff coming out against me, but I wanted to get out in front of it and blah, 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 trying to deflect, deflect, deflect. Right. I think it's impossible to say that there isn't some leftover residue of like... Guilt, obviously, shame. Right, and not... You know, loyalty to Weinstein by any effect, but like you could have loyalty to people who were loyal to Weinstein, right? I mean, you could find the man disgusting and the act disgusting, but still have friends that were in his circle who didn't necessarily do anything wrong, quote unquote, even though they probably didn't speak up. But that's a different argument and different conversation. And it's another movie that was made about that subject as well, The Assistant. I I have no choice but to wonder if, uh, yeah, the industry failed blatantly right and, yeah. and certainly the the film journalism film journalism apparatus failed blatantly and overlooked such a monster in their midst which has happened in many businesses sure. of course it's and is there resi- if, is there still residue and shame that comes up when watching something like this that plays on a subconscious or a, a subconscious bias you have yeah i mean i i think that's certainly worthy of questioning i don't know that it would rise to the effect of hurting the box office in the way that this box office is hurt obviously it is an ecosystem right yes and we know that we know that issue it absolutely is film promotion is a part of the the you know coverage Mm -hmm. it is a part of it and we're we we promote the films that we love we do that we and it's part of our what we do so again i just I wonder if it's hard and it's just human nature. I'm not saying that it's like slanted and it's nefarious, but it's hard to to love a film when, you know, you you feel guilty about the industry's failures and and if you're part of those failures, it's even worse. Obviously. And and along those lines, I mean, that's a great question. I think the question also needs to be asked in the way that, you know, it was asked about Patriot's Day and 9/11 and all these other movies about these tragedies that happened. Is it too soon? I mean, has, you know, has there been enough, are are people okay with seeing a fictionalized account of these real life, awful, horrible events that happened five years ago, four years ago? I mean, it didn't happen then, but they just came to light then. And people actually, these women had to actually find the strength to be involved and speak up and and have their voices heard, have confidence that their voices would be heard. And never mind the women that had to uh, put a microphone to those voices and make sure they were heard by by Megan Tuohy and and the company at the New York Times there. Well, I think you, yeah, I think you hit it on the head. This movie's probably ages far better than it uh, than it lands. And she said, "So we'll we'll hope for that much." Uh, I will get into my goofy reviews now because I I did not watch the uh, the level of esteemed films that you did. <laughs> in this, yeah, episode. we really did have a body swap here. 
I will say Lady Chatterley's Lover, though, is a, is a, a damn fine production. It's high level. It's Sony for Netflix. Uh, uh, Laurie de Clermont Tonnerre of Mustang. I'm sorry if I mispronounced her French name, but I am not a good French language pronunciator. Starring Emma Corrin, Jack O'Connell. Look, they did a phenomenal job acting in this movie, and I don't know how you could do it without clothes on for most of it. Good for them. Uh, this was a good for all of us. This is a steamy Fifi, and. Just so much nudity by these two leads. Once it starts, it doesn't stop. Uh, I give them credit. And I guess I'm just a pervert. So B plus 88. <laughs> no. Wait, I, wait, 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 wait. Well, I mean, <laughs> as much as I appreciate that review, well, I mean, what is like? What is the conflict? What is this movie about? This is a renowned novel. This is a Downton Abbey backdrop, a huge sweeping romance. It's captured the hearts of millions of readers, right? I mean, this is one of the most famous books in every library, for Christ's sake, sake, Ladies Chatterley's Lover, for a reason. So I could certainly see the appeal coming away from this story on why it is such, and it, and they make it work. So I have I had come to this property fresh. I never read anything about it. I didn't. I never seen any other film. There's been dozens of adaptations okay. in one form or another. So this is my first time with this story, and who knows if the other ones are as hot as this one but <laughs> i tell you i i just i enjoyed the production values uh to, again i can't get away from the euphemisms i enjoyed how epic this movie i can't i can't do it i can't get away from anything i'm Penis. just a perfect yeah no it comes back to that's why i just i was going to skip you wouldn't let me skip the, uh, my review. the erection of the composition of this film is uh, b quite plus stiff. all the way up nipple <laughs> this is why maybe anyway, less uh less nudity in violent night there was less nudity in All violent right. night barely no it uh <laughs> a lot no nudity i don't i can't remember any nudity in violent night but a lot of blood jesus was this a bloody film uh but i guess that's what you should uh expect from tommy uh vercola of dead snow gretel and hansel the trip He's made some crazy ass films, and this one stars David Harbour and John Leguizamo. Uh, my God, they're they're loving these characters. Just to watch Hap play Santa, the real mm -hmm. one, mm -hmm. is fun, and, and to watch John Leguizamo chewing scenery with a lot of cheesy dialogue that is going all all the way Hans Gruber. Love it. So this is <laughs> Die Hard with Santa Claus as John McClane. Oh, nice. And, That's great. Well, what was even cooler is that this is a Greenwich, Connecticut mansion as oh, the setting. Nice. Welcome home. <laughs> One night in Greenwich, Connecticut. Not that we would know Greenwich, Connecticut very well, <laughs> but uh, us plebeians. But it's fun to see our, you know, beyond the uh, other side of the tracks, mm -hmm. at least for you and me, and to watch. Somewhat our neck know. of the woods. Right. Somewhat. But. Look, I mean, this is a this is a movie that delivers on the premise. Like, you are going to get great hand-to-hand -hand fight scenes. You're going to get Santa whooping ass for montages of this movie. You are going to get what you paid for. And it's bonus It's bonus time to see, like, Beverly D'Angelo. <laughs> just filthy dialogue. One foul mouth, <laughs> one foul mouth line after another. I love it. She's so funny. Uh, and then John Leguizamo, like I said. And a, a ton of henchmen that are played so well like i love the ensemble cast for the most part now there's a terrible child actor in this terrible oh, no. i cannot abide that's not good these 
young new actors being allowed into this industry (laughs) again the hills that we die on yeah so triumphantly on this show god was she bad i can't i just i'm sorry i have to say it i'm an a-hole but that is the truth and there's also like a repetition to some of the nonsense in this movie that it's just okay i get it and it's not like knives out level you know satire in terms of the rich it's pretty obvious <laughs> and overt so it's hard to like go all in on violent night and i'll give it like a solid b 83 84 for the schlocky murder crazy drunk santa claus fun did it that instill we get. a christmas spirit in you did it do a good job as being a holiday movie still no, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it, it a little bit, a little bit. But I, I mean, it works as an action film to me, and I'm happy with that. And I, I think it's fun to watch some send-ups to other Christmas movies in here. So it's more of a play on the genres involved than it is like, I, you know, I'm going to watch this every Christmas. So if you're – maybe maybe you will. Watch this. I mean, I like, might. This is the best Christmas movie <laughs> since, you know, a, a, a Christmas story Christmas. Maybe you'll be like that, Mike. What, I don't know. What was John Leguizamo? Was he just, were they just robbing the house? It's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to spoil right. that, but right. it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, this movie is playing really well. Like, I was a big crowd. People were rowdy in the audience. 21 million after four days on a 20 million dollar budget so it's going to make money we might get a violent night two and three who knows take that fablements <laughs> <laughs> look at we uh i i gotta finish with a fun review that i'm gonna i'm gonna dance around because i don't want to say too much because you want to watch yeah i still gotta see this a wounded fawn and you love josh ruman from his college humor days absolutely Director Travis Stevens, uh, Sarah Lind, and Malin Barr also star in this one on Shudder. I didn't know, but this was the film that had this bizarre screenshot. I could have watched A Wounded Fawn at like two festivals, and I skipped it because like the screenshot was so unnerving. Oh, really? Like, what the hell am I getting into? This, not the movie I expected based on that screenshot. Based on the title, I ultimately, you get a very linear storyline that goes off the rails in its finale. And I got to say, Michael, I kind of loved every minute of this. Now, nice. you're, you're going to make fun of me for the audible nightmare hypocrisy that this movie is and that I abided to to still love it. So, so it's a lot of screaming. It's loud at the, in the finale. Okay. I'll just say that much. So you can make fun of my hypocrisy there. But I, I guess I can deal with it when I enjoy the movie so much. Not going to say anything about the plot. I will say it's an acting so- showcase for Mr. Rubin. And he is now like the king of Shudder for me. Like, Scare Me was their big original hit last year, right? Or two yeah. years ago. I two can't remember. Ago, I think, yeah. Scare Me. And now A Wounded Fawn should become this year's hit. I just wish it had a better title. Like, that's a terrible title, isn't it? It doesn't roll off the tongue. I do agree with that. Too many W's in awkward right. places. Uh, so I, I won't say anything else. Otherwise, I will say that I give it a grade of Zorbeck plus Alpha Prime <laughs> ampersand to the 10th power. I don't know what to grade it, but it was. I just really had fun watching it. <laughs> Travis Stevens did uh, Girl on the Third Floor, which was the uh, the CM Punk horror movie from a couple years ago that found its way to Netflix, which uh, wasn't bad for you know a contained self-contained horror movie itself. But he's uh, he's another one with a sick mind and likes a lot of gore and blood. 
this is a this is a sick movie in many ways. It's not like something you should be terrified of in terms of the gore. I, I don't know what thresholds are out there, so I don't want to say it's not, you know, scary. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it, you know, it got to me in a, a few moments. But it wasn't like a movie I had a hard time watching for that regard. It's more of like a surreal finale that that works into the plot. That I, I would say brace yourself for that. Like if you hate surreal horror movies like arty art movies the way this one finishes maybe you'll hate this one i have no idea you're a total wild card i have no idea what to expect from you Mm -hmm. but uh i do say i do say that it's it's a it was a fun watch for me i i really dug it wild card baby (laughs) glad to hear that glad to hear you got your movie watching phil you were able to take a break from the uh the seriousness too for a little bit for uh two horror movies and a softcore porn there you deserve that I, uh, I I earned it, and I enjoyed what, what I did. I also enjoyed counter-programming what you were going to do to a degree. But I, I, look, at, I had gone on a stretch where I was like watching one documentary after another, and I was just like, I need a break. Yeah, and I just was, a parade of sadness after a little well, bit. I was going to go see Devotion, but I screwed up the, the times in my head, and I should have just logged uh. into my A-list and did it early. And I was like, I still got to see Devotion. I'm a jerk. And then I was like, uh, I don't want to wait 45 minutes. So I'm going to see Violent Night, which is playing David more Harbor. often. Yeah, see David Harbour as Murderous Santa instead. I get it. There you go. Uh, guys, as always, what matters most to us are your thoughts. We want to hear you weigh in on any of these movies that we have just given our reviews of as well. Did you watch the People's Choice Awards? Do you have any thoughts about the beef of 2022 winners or the Atlanta Film Critics Association? Uh, what do you think about all the love fest coming out of the Avatar 2 debut premiere? Uh, let us know all of that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you may have about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those on all of our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to those of you who have done so thus far. Michael, uh, we still got movies to watch coming down the pipeline. Tell the good people what's coming next from us and let's have some words of wisdom. Well, in terms of words of wisdom, I, I would say you got a lot of offerings. At, That's true. At, you know, from your home, you got a lot of offerings in theaters. So just watch some movies. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, you can watch them anywhere right now, and you can get your fill in terms of Oscar contenders or softcore porns. Or, <laughs> it runs the know, gambit. Crazy ass horror movies. It's it's available on all you know on all your platforms. I would say and. Um, yeah, just watch some movies. This is like movie watching season before the top ten lists come out, or at least you're, you're, you're going to be listening to this when AFI and MBR come out. We did not get a chance to include them into this episode, but we will put those in our next episode or one of the next episodes. We got Pinocchio and Emancipation hitting streaming this weekend. We got The Whale and Women Talking expanding. We look to get the, our hands on those, the inspection, etc. cetera. Uh, and then we got like... Sundance. Sundance has released their lineup today. I did not have a chance to bite into it. We did not have a chance to include that into this episode either, but uh, I can't wait to, uh, you know, at least attend that one virtually and, and look at, you know, the offerings there. Because I, like I said, a lot of these movies that come out, you know, you could see them early at Sundance and, and you at home could see them as well. You can, you can do the $300 
you know subscription to uh you know 10 movies or whatever it is it's not it's not it's not a bad deal when you think about it you get to see the movies so early and you get to see you you get to that level of excitement to maybe yeah maybe you want to start a parade yourselves on film twitter yeah then that's fun i think that's that's important too i mean i've saw i've saw a couple articles this week where people were touting like there was the one in vanity fair where the uh the interviewer was trying to get Justin Long uh, supporting actor buzz for Barbarian. And it's like, that's the type of stuff that I think critics should be doing and pundits should be doing. Like, if you act honestly believe in what you're saying, then go out there and campaign for what you think is worthy of a claim there. And don't worry about just falling in line or getting a poll quote read. Um, that's I think that stuff's great. Well, again, are we on our high horses or are we... Um... Are we say? Are we speaking the truth? That's, My that's horse has up. long legs. You, you, you're, you're a strange dude because you have irrational grudges where that I that's just correct. want to fight you over. That's correct. And then you say you go and you do things like you say things like that. I don't know what to make of you. <laughs> Wild card, bitches. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> As always, when reality sucks, you can be a wild card with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See you.